Welcome to Ministry Mondays with Meg. I'm Meg, and I it is my joy to bring to you today Ministry Mondays, which is where I invite clergy to have a conversation about what ministry life is like today. I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Reverend Scotty Robertson. Scotty, thank you so much for, for being with me today. I appreciate it. Um, again, my name is Reverend Meg Biddle, and I currently serve at the American Baptist Home Mission Society as the national coordinator for ministry life and the American Baptist Personnel Services. Scotty, would you take a moment and introduce yourself and um, tell everybody a little bit about where you currently are serving? Yes, absolutely. Well, first of all, um, thank you, Meg and ABHMS for inviting me to, uh, to be part of this, this first one, I understand. Uh, I am Scotty Robertson. I currently am the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Middletown, Ohio. Uh, have uh, am in my fifth year here, and uh, just very excited about what God is doing uh, in the life of our congregation, and uh, and just um, just in general right now, um, God is just showing up in some very surprising but yet exciting ways in my life, um, and I'm just excited for this journey. Great. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that journey, especially over the last two years. How has your leadership style, how has it evolved over the course of the pandemic as now we are hopefully slowly emerging um, from it? Yeah, well, certainly um, I think I'm not the only one that made the joke that they didn't teach you in seminary how to pastor through a pandemic. No kidding. Um, so, so yeah, um, so it's it's been interesting in the sense that our church uh, didn't have to uh, kind of do the catch up that some churches did in that we were already broadcasting our services um, through streaming and on social media and things like that. Um, so essentially at the very beginning, uh, all that we had to do uh, was just to tell folk, um, don't come to the building uh, until we kind of get this thing figured out. However, um, what that meant also for us and our church staff is we needed to find a way to keep people together uh, when they can't come to the building. And so really for our congregation, um, I would not have wished this pandemic on anyone. And of course, we still grieve of the loss of life, but for our church, it has been kind of like a restart in a lot of ways. Um, there has been so much more ministry uh, that we have been able to begin uh, in light of the pandemic. And uh, quite honestly, uh, partially because of a grant that we received uh, through the Palmer Foundation uh, with ABHMS. Uh, and so through the pandemic, in fact, at, at you know just a few months ago, um, we received uh, each year um, the faith community and some of the civic leaders come together and choose uh, for that particular year a church uh, and other community leaders as well 
for the Impact Church of the Year. And throughout the pandemic, our church, our congregation received the Impact Year, the Impact Church Award for the year uh, for Middletown, Ohio, uh, because of the work that we were able to do uh, within, within our community. Um, I uh, very, very soon after the kind of the shutdown started to happen, I gathered our congregational leadership together and I said, we have a choice here. We can either just kind of shut down uh, and, you know, still stream our worship services and, and so forth um, for, you know, what ended up being several months. Or we can figure out how are we going to actually engage more uh, with our community, uh, because surely there are people that have needs and those needs are being more exposed now, maybe than they were before. And so we decided that in, in the most safe and responsible way that we could, we were going to actually try to engage more with our community. Um, and I, I can go into more detail about that. But as far as my leadership style, I don't know that it changed that much. Um, I think from a pastoral perspective, what changed is um, our congregation, and I think even I myself, saw myself as being, um, you know, obviously the preaching and the teaching, but also my pastoral ministry being very much focused on pastoral care. Um, you know, I enjoy visiting my folks in the hospital, nursing homes, even in their homes, and, and had really developed some deep relationships with our shut-ins and, and, and so forth. But my ministry, my leadership style shifted to where, you know, couldn't do those visits anymore. Uh, couldn't really pursue as I wanted to the pastoral care side of things. And so my ministry changed uh, from being much more what I would consider if we were, uh, you know, had a big staff uh, from from being, uh, you know, more of what I would consider a pastoral care oriented role to being an outreach and, and a community based pastor. Um, so I would say, um, which for me was something exciting, uh, because that's something that I wanted to pursue, but the pandemic sort of gave me an opportunity to do that in ways that, that I hadn't been able to do that. So I think from a pastoral leadership perspective, that's probably the one thing that changed the most. Perfect. Um, great. You, you've really gotten into some of those things that I wanted to talk about. So, um, Let's start with the pastoral care portion of it. Um, so how has that, obviously you weren't able to meet with people in person like you once were. Um, have you gone back to that or wh where, how is it working for you now? Well, it's hard. Um, not so much now because of the pandemic restrictions, but it's just hard to get back in that routine. Um, always before there was at least one day a week that I set aside to do visits, uh, whether that be hospital, home, nursing home, whatever. And so it's, I'm finding it hard to sort of get back in that routine and in that rhythm. Um, but, you know, am beginning, you know, to do that more. Um, I think at the end of the day, I think that people just want to know in general that you care about them. And I think once you rebuild, or once you build, I shouldn't say rebuild, but once you build that trust with the people, I think then the opportunities that you have for pastoral care uh, become uh, very much more diverse. And 
become in fact a lot easier um, because among the people in, in many of our American Baptist congregations, I would say, and, and partly because our congregations are, are, are um, you know, on the smaller end of the spectrum, um, you know, in a, in a mega church with 2000 people, of course, you know, the membership is, is not going to, uh, not going to, not their pastor's not going to be there every time they're in the hospital or whatever the case might be. But in a, in a medium sized to smaller congregation. And, um, I think that, you know, people kind of want to know if I do have a surgery, is my pastor going to be there? If I am a shut in and I can't get out to worship, is my pastor going to come visit? Um, and so I work pretty hard. I mean, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I'm kind of proud of myself because when I first came here to Middletown, I worked hard at building um, that relationship with the people. Um, for example, right off the bat, our people were, um, you know, kind of amazed and, and just really appreciated the fact that I still did handwritten notes, um, you know, for people who needed prayer and, and just to check in on folks and things like that. The other thing, and I think this is kind of um, a generational thing, um, is that I have been more accessible uh, than the previous pastors here. Uh, you know, for example, I text regularly with my folks. Um, of course, you know, respond to emails as efficiently as I can. Um, you know, uh, take phone calls even when I'm not in the office. I don't think that kind of an accessibility um, is something that my people were used to. And, and I think there's nothing against the people who have served here before. I just think it's maybe a generational thing. And I also think that, though, some of the folk in the very beginning had a little bit of a, what's the word I should use, just kind of didn't understand why I wasn't in the office as much as other pastors. However, the trade-off was that I was much more accessible and instead of expecting them to come to me, I would go to them, which is what I like to do anyway. I mean, I could not be a pastor of a church, and maybe these churches don't even exist anymore, but I could not be a pastor of a church that sat in an office 40 hours a week and preached on Sunday. Um, that would just drive me crazy. I mean, as you can see, I love my office, and I'm surrounded by my books, but, um, you know, but my, but which is why I said when the pandemic happened, it actually helped me to, uh, to really uh, operate in my gift, uh, which I see, I mean, you know, Meg, you know me and so many people who know me, I am an extreme uh, extrovert. And my energy comes from being around as many people as possible. And so being able to, to really expand my reach as a pastor and be out in our community more and doing those things, you know, just really has been good for me. But back to the pastoral care thing, so I think I was able to build that trust, and so the people didn't have anxiety or worry at all um, What, how I would respond when the pandemic happened, because I already had a track record. And so, you know, I've continued through the pandemic to call and text and send cards, uh, but now I'm back to that kind of one day a week where I'm setting aside to do visits and, and so forth. You, you um, earlier, you spoke about your involvement in the community. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, like, have you had that opportunity to collaborate with others uh, that you might not have had outside the pandemic? Oh, absolutely. So the first, once again, I have to 
not just because it's an ABHMS podcast, but I have to uh, give a shout out to ABHMS uh, and the Palmer Foundation for the grant, um, uh, which helped us uh, to really kind of develop some of those partnerships. Um, so early on in the pandemic, um, we received the grant, um, which was, I think, $15,000. Um, but then we also took some money from our church budget and we had individuals within our church give to the extent that we made about a $40,000 investment uh, in two of our local elementary schools. And so we began by developing a partnership with two of our elementary schools. Um, we said we know, well, what we said that we know that the two groups that will be disproportionately uh, impacted in a negative way by the pandemic would be uh, families and students um, of, of, uh, of uh, low-income families and students, and also uh, the elderly population. We knew that, or at least we thought we did, and I think it bore out to be true. But um, we said we know those are going to be probably the two most vulnerable groups groups, low-income families with students and also the elderly population. And so we said, how can we invest in their lives? And so with the elementary schools, we invested in uh, technology needs. Um, even still to this day, we are providing what we call COVID kits, which are essentially clothes baskets that are filled with um, supplies, uh, cleaning supplies, um, household supplies um, and, uh, and things like that, that families uh, maybe can't afford, can't get out to get, or maybe don't even know that they need. Uh, those included, of course, sanit hand sanitizers, masks, uh, um, uh, thermometers, um, touchless thermometers, um, just anything that you could think of that would help a family keep their home sanitary. Um, we did uh, gas cards so that families could get to doctor's appointments or, you know, if they needed, especially early on, if they needed to go get tested for COVID. Um, we, um, we did um, utility help uh, for families who needed help paying their bills because they lost jobs or loss of income. Um, I mean, uh, those are just a few things. I mean, I'm sure we did so much more. And those things have continued. I mean, we're still doing gas cards. We're still helping with utility bills. We're still doing, in fact, I had, had a, a school counselor today come and pick up about seven COVID uh, cleaning baskets. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and so, so that's the way in which we partnered uh, with our elementary schools. And then with our elderly population, we actually purchased Chromebooks uh, so that those who were shut in uh, could still, you know, uh, be part of our, our services and our Bible studies and, and things like that. Um, the other thing that we did, our church was the first in Middletown. So the city health commissioner called me and said, hey, uh, could we host uh, our first vaccination clinic at your church? And so our church was the first vaccination clinic held. Uh, you know, back in February of, uh, of 2021, when uh, vaccinations uh, started to roll out. And so that is just, it's just opened up our investment uh, in the elementary schools is where it started, but it has 
expanded un, un, to the point, and this is not, not a credit to me, but to um, the quality of our congregation uh, and how incredible our congregation is, we are now seen by many in our uh, city as um, the community church. And the amazing thing to me is that happened over a pretty short period of time. Um, I mean, we're talking about, well, basically over the course of the pandemic. And part of it is because, and I don't fault, you know, any pastors or churches that, that decided that they wouldn't continue engaging in ministry because it was a scary time. And, and it was hard sometimes to find a safe, responsible way to do things. Um, but because of our engagement, where many churches had decided it was best for them to disengage, and once again, don't, don't blame them for that. I'm not making a judgment. But the point is, because of our engagement um, and other churches either kind of were behind the scenes or weren't out there as much as we, we had been, um, you know, it's just been an incredible thing. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and so, yeah, so, so I'm just, once again, I'm excited, um, just about how that, how that God is, is, uh, is working. So. I love how engaged you have been in your community and especially your idea, um, of getting the iPads to your, your older members of the congregation. Um, that's such an important thing to do and to help them stay connected. Um, so I really, I really applaud that. Um, in your ministry now, what about your current ministry brings you the most joy? You know, um, that's a good question. And, and I love answering this question because obviously it's asked, you know, in many different forms and many uh, conversational contexts. Um, this congregation, and I said this congregation, you know, pre-pandemic uh, as well, this is, and once again, this is no, um, you know, this is no judgment on any other congregation, especially any congregation that I've served because I've been blessed to serve, uh, you know, four wonderful congregations. Uh, in, in my ministry life so far, but this congregation, and I grew up in a pastor's home as well and grew up in a wonderful church, a wonderful ABC church, um, but this congregation is the most generous, loving, uh, caring, compassionate, uh, whatever adjective you want to use, but is absolutely just the best congregation that I have ever been privileged to be a part of. Um, it's just a wonderful, wonderful group of people, um, who love each other and love me as their pastor and serve me as their pastor as much as I serve them and just have, uh, just an incredible ability to see a vision that is laid before them and be excited about that vision and, and work to put that in, into practice, um, you know, I don't know that there is anything um, that I have ever put before them uh, that they have not have been more than willing uh, to, to accept my leadership on and to buy into the vision and to uh, serve the Lord alongside me and, and to serve uh, the city and the kingdom of God well. I mean, it's just an incredible congregation. I just can't say enough about how wonderful that they are. And so, I, I I find joy in the way that I've been able to fall in love with this congregation 
and the way that they've fallen in love with me. I mean, uh, they gave they give me energy. Uh, part of that is, I mean, they've always been, I think, a, a great congregation. The other part of that is, um, you know, actually when the pandemic started, uh, my personal life kind of went into a tailspin too. Um, I mean, I, I went through a marriage separation and a divorce. And so in that time, um, I've often said, if I could write a book about how a congregation should care for uh, their pastor having gone through a divorce, uh, this congregation would have far exceeded any of my expectations. Uh, right off the bat, they gave me a month's sabbatical paid. Um, and so without really me even having to ask. Um, so just the way that they cared for me through that season, I think helped to create a bond that was already strong, but, but made it, but made it stronger. I've only, this is my fifth year. We've in, we, we've changed our governance structure. Uh, when I came here, we had a, a very archaic uh, governance structure uh, where, you know, our congregation uh, was to the point where just because of the number of people that we have that were willing to be active in leadership, um, it just wasn't sustainable. We had four independent boards and, you know, two million different committees. Um, and so it wasn't, our structure wasn't serving us well. And and it, it just wasn't a, a what I would call a good missional structure. And so uh, in uh, in just two or three years, we were able to change our governance structure to now we have one central leadership team uh, that uh, that is made up of 15 people. We gather in three ministry focus areas, of course, five, five and five uh, community ministry focus area, uh, um, discipleship ministry focus area and administration ministry focus area. And we have no committees. We got rid of all our committees. And the point is that we wanted our leadership team and we wanted our church governance structure to 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 uh, to, to to not be um, to not be a place where uh, basically the structure dictates the ministry and the mission of the church. But we wanted our governance structure to be here's an ABHMS word, to be an incubator. <laughs> we wanted it to be, we wanted it to be a place of incubation where new ministry and mission ideas could, could spring up uh, from our leadership team. We wanted to, to free our leadership from, uh, from the bondage of committees and serving the committees to being free uh, to dream and to pursue a new mission and ministry ideas. And instead of having our people to serve on committees, we wanted our people to not serve on committees, but we wanted our people to serve according to areas of passion is what we call them. So instead of asking someone, can you serve three years on a board or a committee? We say, would you be willing to help lead our outreach to our homeless population in town? Or would you be willing to help us plan this event? Or even asking our congregation, um, where, are you, where do your gifts and skills lie? Where is your passion? Let us not develop an assumed ministry plan, but let us develop a plan dependent upon where the gifts, skills, and passions are at any given time in our congregation. And knowing that could change. And knowing that just because we have done X for 
20 years or 30 years or 40 years, if that passion and that skill set does not currently exist within our congregation, then we're not going to pursue that. Early on, I set the standard, and, and it's not just me because our people bought into it, and I'm very thankful. But early on, we set the standard here at First Baptist Middletown that our highest value, the thing that we value the most would be our missional priorities. So we basically set four missional priorities, evangelism, discipleship, community, and justice. And we said, we are going to serve those four missional priorities. Any conversation that we have is going to be about, is this serving our missional priorities? And if it isn't, then we're not going to pursue it, even if it means paying the light bill. I mean, even a congregation, even a conversation about paying the light bill, the question that we are asking now is not, do we have the money? Is the, is by paying this light bill, for example, is it helping us to pursue our missional priorities? And so that is the conversations that we have now. That's our highest value and we don't even allow ourselves to have any conversations anymore unless we can answer the question by pursuing this: is it, um, is it, is it helping us uh, to uh, to pursue our our missional priorities? And once again, we said evangelism, discipleship, community, and justice. Just this week, um, I'm very excited about this week. Wednesday, we are uh, uh, many of us in our so every Wednesday we have a group of, uh, of high school students with special needs uh, that meet in our building for fellowship, Bible study, worship, and so forth. And this coming Wednesday, uh, folk from our congregation are coming to partner with those students. Uh, we're calling them buddies, uh, but they're coming in to partner with those students so that people in our congregation can start to build relationships with those students with, uh, with, with um, different abilities, uh, we call them. And, and then on, on a Thursday, we're having an informational meeting um, where we are, there is a, a care portal, uh, is a new um, initiative of our Middletown City Schools, which is a database where school counselors, we call them liaisons, um, can, can, can put needs from their families on this online platform and churches in Middletown uh, they're on this platform can then see the needs and can respond. And so our congregation is starting to, uh, to, to become part of this platform uh, so that once again, we can better serve the needs of our families uh, in, in our schools. And so it's an exciting week, even for us here. Um, every week seems to me there is something new and exciting uh, that we as a congregation are pursuing. Um, I get to spend my time doing these kinds of things. You know, I don't spend my time arguing about the carpet or uh, I don't spend my time even having, uh, we don't have worship wars here. I mean, and I could have another conversation um, just about how our worship ministry has been transformed, partly because of the D-Men project that, that I have just finished. But anyway, the point is, these are the conversations I get to have. And so serving this congregation has always, but continues to bring me great joy. And, and you just radiate that joy. And um, I'm just so grateful to have had the opportunity to speak with you about your ministry, even for, you know, um, 30 minutes. Um, 
I think you should write that book <laughs> that you're talking about. You should write that book. Um, and as a mom of a differently abled child, I really appreciate uh, the work that you're doing. So thank you. Thank you for that. We'd love to have you back um, when, when we do talk about uh, the evolution of, of worship and how things have changed. Uh, and yeah, my demon project was on um, on on what I called missional worship. So yeah, missional worship. Okay, so uh, we'll plan on having you back again to sure. to talk about missional worship. Um, Absolutely, because I'm sure everyone um, would would certainly love to hear about it. So, Scotty, thank you so much for being my very first guest, yes. um, for having this conversation with me. Um, sure. And um, we just pray God's blessings on you and your, your ministry, your congregation, as you go forward. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you. And if, if I don't see you before then, um, I'm sure that I'll see you at Space for Grace. Absolutely. So everyone that's listening, here's a plug. Make your plans now to be at Space for Grace. You won't regret it. Yes. Join us for Space for Grace in September. That'll be in Kansas and um, Kansas City. So, And we now plan to do these Ministry Mondays. We're going to make them air at 11 o'clock on Ministry Life on Facebook and on um the ABHMS face, uh, YouTube channel. So um, please invite friends and family to, to join us um, and be a part of this ongoing conversation. Again, thank you, Scotty, so yeah. much for, for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Goodbye.